0: You are Locked On Wildcats, your daily podcast on the Arizona Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Happy Friday, everyone. You're listening to Locked On Wildcats. I'm your host, Mike Luke joined now by rob lance rob long time no see uh not sure anything's gone down in the last 24 36 hours what's up
0: it's it's been pretty quiet mike i think last time we talked we're like hey everybody settled down with those miller rumors yeah. we were wrong
1: we were definitely <laughs> wrong on that but we don't claim to be insiders we claim to give you our opinion and that's why uh, we're here so i wanted to talk of about a few things. First and foremost, I wanted to kind of get your reaction to the the firing when it happened because to me it was kind of surreal. I want to talk a little bit then about why this happened and kind of the odd timing involved. And we'll get to that later on in the show, but when you first heard the news, what was your initial reaction, Rob?
0: Um I was surprised by the timing. Um I know you talked about that on a previous pod. It was interesting that they just they made the decision to do to uh, terminate Miller now instead of a couple years ago or a couple weeks ago, it, it was just really strange. So I think that's the first thing that that caught me, um, at least from like uh, that perspective. Um, from a personal perspective, I'm just going to let this out. I'm happy to see the guy go. I, I'm I'm tired of of uh, some of the things that he's brought on this program, if he was, knew about it or not, um, with the whole book Richardson thing. Uh, I'm I grew tired of his style of basketball. I grew tired of his bully attitude towards the media. Um, so I, I really was kind of happy, uh, from a personal perspective to see Miller go. Uh, did he do some great things here at the university of Arizona? Undoubtedly. Did he reach the heights that maybe he wanted to? Uh, I don't think he came anywhere close to what, you know, you would have looked back 12 years ago and thinking that he wouldn't have gotten any final fours or even played for a national title. Um, But those are my first reactions, Mike, that, you know, kind of maybe some lost uh, some lost years there where they could have succeeded a little bit higher, a little bit surprised by the timing, but also not sad to see him go in the slightest.
1: I think people also need to come to the realization that no matter what you think of uh, Robbins or Hickey, and we're going to talk about the timing uh, in the next segment. But it's not like you can be totally surprised by this firing. And here's what I mean. People keep referencing Bill Self in Kansas, and if I hear this one more time, I don't know what I'm going to do because I'm not tough. But I will—it's going to drive me up a wall. Because here's the deal: Bill Self got caught in the same kind of stuff that Sean Miller got caught in. Heck, you could make the case that he got caught into worse stuff. But you know what? These aren't comparable because at the end of the day. You have a guy in Bill Self who is going to compete for national championships on a yearly basis. And I'll be honest with you, if I'm a Kansas fan and I've got to sit out a year, heck, I don't like it. But if I've got to sit out two years of the NCAA tournament to ensure that Bill Self is still my coach for the next 15 years, you know what? I'm going to do that. And let's be honest. If Sean Miller was winning and not even at Bill Self levels, but in the top 10, getting to elite eights year in and year out, we wouldn't be having this conversation. So at the end of the day, wins and losses are still what predicates movement in college basketball. And nothing was more evident than that with Sean Miller here, Rob. Nothing's changed.
0: Winning cures, no, nothing changed. Winning cures all ills when it comes to competitive, you know, competitive nature of, of anything, sports, business. Whatever, if you're winning, people are gonna put up with a lot of stuff, and I think that it was a double-edged sword for Miller. He was winning early, um, and did a great job, built some great teams, came within you know a couple seconds of a of a final four against Wisconsin, then ran into a hot shooting final you know Wisconsin team the year before, came within a shot um, in his second year against uh UConn of getting within a final four if he would have gotten to those maybe we're talking about a, a bit of a different story I think the problem though with Miller was not only did the allegations come out but prior to that too Mike they'd slipped a little bit you mm-hmm. got to remember that they've lost to a lower seed in, in Xavier with a vastly superior team and then got blown out you know, uh, by by Buffalo, the Buffalo one, one with a I... vastly superior team and also lost to Wichita State with a vastly superior team. Those were the three years before, or well, I guess the allegations came out the year of the Buffalo game right. too, but you still had that roster. Those three results still, I think, were kind of the, the death nail. If you want to go back and see where this all kind of stems from, I think it's probably that Buffalo game, even after the allegations came out where it's like, ooh, Something's not
1: right. Well, and I totally agree. I think the thing with the Buffalo game where it really felt like it was kind of the turning point and where things maybe started going downhill and started sliding was you've got a lineup with... I don't think he's the best player in school history, but DeAndre Ayton is certainly the most talented player in school history. You've got Alonzo Trier, who's a 20-point-per-game guy, Raleigh Alkins, 15 a game, and you're getting destroyed by a mid-major team in Buffalo? Now, granted, they were making every shot known to man, but still, at the end of the day, that's a team that should have just been able to overwhelm Buffalo. So I think that's what people are forgetting about this firing right here, and again, We're going to talk a lot in the next segment about kind of the timing because that really still makes no sense to me. But as far as the practicality of firing Sean Miller, the results on the court kind of speak for themselves. This year, maybe you're a tournament team, but do you really look at Arizona and say, yeah, they were going to do some damage? Although this might be the wrong year to use that as an example. But uh, last year, Arizona probably gets in as a nine seed. You really think they're doing anything? Year before you missed the tournament, so it's not like you were walking away here from a guy that's bringing you, you know, top ten teams anymore. That just wasn't the case anymore. There, Rob.
0: No, it wasn't, and I, I, I'll go back to the, the comparisons with Bill Self. Um, You know, last year he had a team that was probably. uh, if not the best team in the country, definitely one of the top three teams in the country. Uh, he's a guy that competed year in and year out. Even with these allegations, he was still landing. recruit. I mean, that, but that's the nature of the beast at a place like Kansas, where you're still that blue blood type of team, where Arizona's that next tier down. But also, though, people have said that Miller wasn't able to recruit because of the sanctions. And I don't think that's necessarily true. Did he miss on some guys? Absolutely. But Mike, I still think they had, what, three top well, 10 classes over the last four years?
1: Well, right. And look at it, too. I mean, the year before, now, granted, some of these guys turned out not to be that good. But you bring in a Nico Mannion, who's considered maybe the best point guard in the country. You bring in Josh Green, considered one of the top two, two guards. Zeke Naji's better than both of them. So at least from that level, it was not hurting bringing in American or foreign-born top-level recruits
0: not at all you're still getting those guys and maybe you weren't landing those you know three or four five stars in in one class but you're still getting good players and the results just didn't bear out i I think that again if you're winning and if you're competing for final fours or heck if you're even competing for pac-12 championships which feels like it's been a while since arizona's done that too uh i we might be talking about a different story and you know with those sanctions of course arizona with the timing again could have done this any time over the last three years decided to do it now you know that timing is weird because next year's roster was going to be good but also the results recently haven't necessarily lended themselves to having a contract extension
1: let's talk about that next and if you want to bet on the next coach you should go to betonline.ag they got you covered you listened to locked on wildcats with rob lance i'm mike luke as a reminder, the good folks at Built Bar are going to get you big and buff like these players that you've been watching during the NCAA tournament or some of the players that maybe you've been watching, maybe on the NBA circuit. These are guys that are big and strong. These are guys that have probably utilized a Built Bar in their life. And if it's good enough for them, it certainly should be good enough for you. And I can sit here and say that it's good enough for me. All right, Rob, what I don't get about this firing And I don't know why, maybe it's just peeving me more than anything, is why wait? And here's my question. You knew, you could have made this firing two years ago, three years ago. Now, the the theory probably was, well, you know, Arizona's still winning. Do we really want to cut cord? Fine, I get that one. Here's what I don't get. Why are you waiting 40 days after your season is ended to fire your head coach? You look around college basketball and everybody that's fired was pretty much fired after their season was let go or their season was over. That didn't happen here. The reason that you fire a coach is that you can get a head start on everything. You don't need to drag everything out for the community for no real reason. And one thing, if it is Tommy Lloyd, and that's the name that has all the smoke around it, I keep hearing that that still makes no sense as to why you couldn't have fired Miller. Because how many coaches have outwardly accepted a job and continued to coach their team while they're competing for a national championship? It happens all the time. So getting behind here really makes no sense whatsoever to me there, Rob. I agree with you, uh,
0: especially if you kind of knew, reading some of the tea leaves, some of the comments um, from Higgy and from Robbins. Uh, some of the reporting that's taken place, you know, with some of the uh, the thoughts behind the scenes. It seems like they got they had their mind made up almost all the way back after the Oregon game at the very end of the year and I, I think you're spot on why wait this long um we see it in college football especially you know because bowl season's a little bit different where you get assistant coaches all the time that yeah i'm gonna coach my team the bowl game but as soon as that's over i'm jumping to x y or z all the time it seems like it happens with alabama assistants every single year
1: (laughs) It, it really does and that's the part that makes no sense it just doesn't why would you wait to this point now again maybe there is some grand plan in place here but just seeing this unfold in front of me it's just incredibly unusual and I hope these guys know what they're doing because this was pretty much unprecedented as far as waiting because nobody really has a real reason and if you watched Dave Hickey during the press conference and I like Dave personally he's always been very kind to me so I'm just keeping this as far as what I saw it was almost like they weren't prepared for this question as to why you would wait so long. I think Brian Peterson asked the question, and it was basically met with kind of a, a stonewall, deadpan answer, whereas generally you're going to have somebody that's going to prep you to be able to tell you, hey, this question's probably going to be raised here. And it was kind of like they didn't have any idea that it was going to be coming there, Rob.
0: I'm not the best interviewer in the world. I'm no Dan Patrick mm-hmm. when it comes to this sort of stuff, but the first question that would have come to my mind if I were sitting in that press conference is what changed? What What's different now than it was uh, 40 days ago? What's different now than when you got the notice of allegations back in October? What's different now than when the sanctions first kind of came down and you had some understanding of what you were going to face? What has changed over the last 40 days? Now, luckily from Arizona's standpoint, it doesn't seem like there, there haven't been a lot of those hot commodity coaches that have been hired away. I mean, you're talking about Mike Woodson coming from the NBA, or you know, Porter Moser was the one name right. that was out there that you maybe missed out on. But who knows if he was going to come here or not? Chris Beard was always a pipe dream. He was—you're never going to be able to afford him. So, luckily, so far, it doesn't seem like they've missed out on the chance to hire any of those hot names that you would like to see. Uh, but then on the other side of that coin, it doesn't seem like they're going after any of those hot names that you would maybe like to see them go after
1: all right speaking of those hot names let's talk on let's talk in just a minute about who we would like to see the u of a go after and what the template is for what we would like to see keep in mind this is coming from two guys in their 30s that grew up watching loot olson you're listening to locked on wildcats back with you i'm mike luke joined by rob lance all right we've gotten through a lot of the uncomfortable stuff. Let's talk about who we would like to see as the next Arizona coach. But first and foremost, what we would like to see put out there. And honestly, I know you're never going to get another Lute Olson, Rob, and I'm not sitting here saying that you will because Lute Olson is one of the 15 best coaches to ever watch a, walk a college basketball sideline. You're just you're not going to get those, and if you do, then we're we're looking pretty good. But more so than anything, I want to watch a coach, and I want to watch a team that is having fun and that is playing up-tempo basketball. The one, one thing that I never understood about Sean Miller was you're getting all of these athletes... And you're playing the pack line defense. And our guy, uh, Kelvin Eifon would always bring this up. He said, you know, if I've got those kind of players, I'm shooting passing lanes. I'm getting out in transition. I'm doing all kinds of different stuff out there. So Arizona has better players than you, but they become an easy scout. I don't want to see that anymore. I like watching teams like Oregon, where you got a ton of athletes. You're getting up and down. And you know what? You're not an easy scout, and maybe that's just me going back to the Lute Olsen era, but that's the kind of ball that I want to see going forward here, Rob.
0: Well, I think if you look at the NCAA tournament, the most successful teams were the ones that played that way, that were aggressive defensively, got out on passing lanes, got out on the transition. Uh, One thing I would like to see, Mike, that it seemed like Miller teams could never do very well, teams that maybe could shoot the ball. Uh, that seems like it's an important aspect in uh, in basketball. But uh, if you're going to recruit those top level guys, I mean, you go back and you had a team with Nick Johnson, Rondae Hollis Jefferson, and Aaron Gordon, and you were slowing it down. Brandon Ashley, T.J.
1: McConnell. I mean, up and down the list,
0: and you're right. I mean, you were slowing it down. Where there was times though, I remember specifically in Las Vegas when they did cause some turnovers. They got out on the break against uh, against I think it was Colorado. And they were throwing alley-oops to everybody. They were dunking on people. And it was like, this is how they should be playing. I don't understand why you would want to limit the number of possessions in a game when you have better athletes. You want more possessions in a game if you have the better talent. So I'm with you. I want somebody that if they are recruiting a high level of athlete, use those athletes as an advantage uh, and it became almost cliche Mike and kind of the conversations that you and I would have at times or that I had with other people speaking Attack. of that team with Aaron Gordon. It's just like, what would Lute have done with this team? Right. Right. Holy exactly. How? Right.
1: And it's always a pr- issue. And I was talking with Steve Rivera a little bit about this when, when another coach says that you are an easy scout, that's generally not a compliment.
0: I mean, nobody well, There was never a plan B. It seemed like, uh, especially on the defensive end. If the pack line defense, it invites jump shooters from the outside. It wants you to take those shots. We hit on the Buffalo game earlier. We hit on the Wisconsin game earlier. Two you know, really bad Arizona losses in the NCAA tournament. What do those have in common? Teams got hot from the outside, and there was absolutely no adjustment that was made to that because it's kind of like, well, this is what I run, and this is what I'm going to stick with.
1: And I think in college basketball, and especially in basketball in general now, you're kind of at the stage where you need to be able to switch things up. And that was just never something that really happened. I mean, a better point would be how many times did you really see fast break dunks? You never really saw things like that. Now, again, there's, I'm sure there were some examples, but you just generally never saw an Arizona team with better players just run a team out of the gym. And I think that's kind of what you and I grew up watching here. And that's where Arizona basketball, to me, as a brand, was always special because you knew a couple things with loot. And again, I know that you're not going to get Lute Olson, but you knew a couple things with loot. You knew first and foremost that he was going to play anybody, anywhere. Times are a little bit different, but you certainly can't say that about the recent coach. Second, and I think just as importantly, he was going to mix and match his roster or his theories depending on who was on his roster. And that is just something that you never really saw. I mean, and this is a guy in loot who totally changed his entire game plan. When he was losing his games in the first round, he knew that I got to get smaller and I got to get quicker. I can't keep going with the big guys because we can't defend the little water bugs out there. And that is exactly what he did. Now, you never really saw that. So I'd like to see a coach too that has multiple philosophies depending on what that scheme is, depending on the players on his roster, because I think it makes it far more difficult. Now, again, I always joke about Dana Altman because we're both from Crete, Nebraska, but you watch him and it's basically organized chaos out there. He's tinkering the entire game trying to figure out something that works. And I think that's why he's been able to win four out of the last six Pac-12 championships. That's what I think you need at Arizona, especially, Rob, because you're going to be able to get a higher caliber of player at Arizona.
0: Yeah, one thing that sticks out to me as far as flexibility is concerned with with an Olsen team. Um, one of my favorite games that Happened under Olsen's tenure is the regular season game in Lawrence, Kansas, in mm-hmm. two thousand three. What what happened to Arizona? They they're getting their doors blown off in the in the first half. What happens in the second half? It goes with a one three one zone. What? Right. Like it
1: was just right. like,
0: where did this come from? And it was effective. Right. It was like they had drilled it for this specific instance, and Kansas had no answers whatsoever. And you know that's just kind of indicative of what you would maybe get from. Olsen on occasion you know on the offensive side of things though too Mike one of the things that that you need guards you mm-hmm. need guards and you need to let guards play if you want that to happen you know in his tenure here Miller never recruited out of high school an all pack 12 guard which is not amazing one which is amazing I mean for a guy that was a, a point guard himself and for a place that calls itself point guard you to not have an all-conference guard for 12 years I mean, yes, they had some that, you know, made it, but they were in, they were transfers. Now the last one that made it as a guy that was actually recruited out of high school to come to Arizona was Nick Wise.
1: Right. That is recruited eons by Lute. Ago. Right.
0: Yeah, recruited by loot when he was like a freshman coming out of Correct, Houston. yes, but I know. It, yeah. That is eons ago in college basketball though.
1: All right, Rob. Next week, we're going to start talking about some of the coaches. And again, this could be a pretty quick-moving situation. I would imagine it's going to be. But Rob, as always, appreciate you coming on, my man.
0: Mike, I'm sorry. Can I get one more thing? Of course, in go here ahead. If we're looking for, um, yeah. if we're looking for a head coach, yeah, go ahead. I want somebody, and you used these words in your pod yesterday: grace and dignity. Yes. I want somebody that has some grace and dignity, not only towards his players, but and towards the fan base. And maybe towards opponents, but also towards the media. Here, um, I think that the media was treated, and I know from my personal perspective, and Ari e. Alexander shared some stuff too. Uh, we're just two examples of it. Of I want people, I want somebody here that brings class and dignity back to the sidelines at the University of Arizona, with violations or otherwise, just being a gentleman
1: incredibly well put boss incredibly well put and you know we we certainly know that from experience but for rob lance i'm mike luke you've been listening to locked on wildcats